that's what we're going to dive into today is living a legacy. I'm so excited. I have a lot to say today. I don't really know where I'm going to land the plane, but there's been so much prophetic insight stirring inside of me for legacy. I'm only 28 years old. I'm going to be 29 in January. I'm probably one of the youngest pastors, lead pastors here in Nashville. And I counted a privilege to, to get to be a priest here with you guys and point you in the way of the presence of God and really help you steward your lives in Jesus. So I don't really know a lot about leaving a legacy, but I know a lot about how to set myself up to live legacy now that will have generational impact, right? So that's what, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. The title of my message today is A Generous Legacy. Legacy has more than one family in mind, and that's why the church is so important, because it's not just about us, right? We're an awesome church. We're my favorite church, okay? Let me be honest. But Legacy has way more in mind than just what's happening here in our little micro-expression. God's heart for legacy expands so much further than what we're building here right now. But to really capture God's heart for legacy, we have to understand that what we're building and who we're becoming is important to the legacy that God's leaving in the earth. We are God's legacy, right? We are God's legacy. Jesus could have come, he could have died, and then we all could have ascended to the Father with him, right? But he has something so much bigger in mind. He has legacy in his, in his heart, in his head, in the way that he does things. And that's why we're here today. Jesus is in us and he's through us. And because of some experience that we've had with him throughout our lives, we are the byproduct of Jesus's ministry thousands and thousands of years ago. It's mind-blowing to think that an experience that happened thousands and thousands of years ago is as true, as present, and as real today as it was then. That is mind-blowing. Like, if you, like, we're all sitting in this room. It's kind of weirds me out. We're all sitting here encountering Jesus all because 2,000 plus years ago he came and he died on a cross and he made his life empty so that we could be full. I mean, there's no greater legacy than the legacy of Jesus. And here we are. Here we are. Legacy has more in mind than just what's happening with us, in us, right the second. And the reason why I titled my message A Generous Legacy is because the Lord started stirring in me as we approached um, the end of our generosity series, and it started to churn in me this reality that generosity is what begets legacy. It's not just finances. It's not just generosity in our, you know, money. It's generosity in our lives. It's our lives laid bare before the people that God's placed in our lives and we purpose inside of ourselves to say, I will make a difference in the lives of the people who know me. It's almost as if our lives, and I, I, say, I say this in DNA class a lot when we talk about this value, but our lives are, are like a, a rock dropped in a pond that creates ripples, right? A rock, I mean, unless you're like an Olympic diver, most often 
you're going to create a ripple, right? Like you're not, the rock's not going to hit perfectly. There's something about imperfection and hitting that creates a, a ripple that's can be beautiful and it can be challenging and, but it creates a ripple, right? What we do today matters. And if you, if you don't think that that's true, I'd like to convince you otherwise. <laughs> so often I see friends of mine live their life as though today doesn't matter. Or what they do right now doesn't matter. What they spend their time doing doesn't matter. What they spend their money on doesn't matter. And that's just so far from the truth. And in fact, I, I sensed, and this is the prophetic part that I was sensing today, that the enemy works super hard to convince us that our day-to-day is unimportant in the grand scheme of life. But I'm here to remind you that your day-to-day is what Jesus died for, and your day-to-day matters in the grand scheme of life because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. So what I do today matters entirely. It matters fully, and it's holy. Heidi Baker so often says things that blows my mind. She's one of our spiritual parents, but one of the things she has worked very hard to convince me of is that everything that I do in life is holy. And I didn't understand why until I started looking for legacy in my life. And I realized how we position ourselves to interact with our day-to-day life must be holy because everything matters. That might feel overwhelming, um, and it's okay because I'll show you why it doesn't have to be overwhelming. But we must ask ourselves this question, what ripple is my life making? Dictionary.com, because Lyle's so fondly, likes to use it, their definition of legacy is this, anything, not just money, not just resource, but anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. So legacy is basically the impact you're making today plus the seed you're sowing for tomorrow. So the whole reason why generosity matters in this in this whole idea is that it's not just about what you're living for today, but a generous legacy says, it's not what I, I I'm not going to consume everything today. I'm going to sow in hopes for a tomorrow, right? There's going to come a day where we don't have a tomorrow, but we're going to sow that day like we are going to have a tomorrow, right? Somebody else is going to get to benefit from that. Proverbs 13:22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You will leave a legacy, even if you don't try. Every human does. It's a human experience to leave legacy. It's a human experience to leave behind something. That's, that's just the kingdom way. Now that, you know, when God created us, he created us legacy people. That's just He created a family so that there could be legacy, so that we could continue on and move forward. Just like that song says, you know, when, you know, all of creation evolves in the pursuit of what God spoke at the beginning of time, that's his legacy, right? We're always moving forward. We're always progressing. But you get to choose what legacy you leave, right? So if you choose an eternal legacy, you'll receive an eternal reward, Legacy is anything that you craft now that you'll pass down to who's next, right? So we're all product of somebody's legacy. We all will leave a legacy, but 
we're all a product of somebody's legacy, right? So a product of either somebody's faithfulness or someone's selfishness, we're the product of that, right? The product of someone's business success or their, you know, blind consumption of everything they built. We're the product of someone's failure or the product of someone's selflessness, of their success. But we're all the product of someone's yesterday. You know, that's our present, right? I mean, when I was a teenager, as many of us go through this, I searched, right? I was in a wandering space where I was like, okay, who am I? What's come at me? Who am I becoming? And I realized really quickly that I am the product of a generous legacy, but I'm also the product of my, you know, trauma, right? Of my negative experiences. And I'm the product of, you know, selfishness in the people around me. And that's why everything that we do has to matter. Because God coming into our lives made everything beautiful, right? So he takes broken stories and he makes them beautiful. But the reality is we can't escape our experiences, right? Um, I, I have a counselor whom I adore, and some of you might know who he is, but one of the things he told me, because I am a, and this is getting real, I'm a classic, like, emotional suffer. Anybody else in the room? Push down their emotions and don't want to address them until it has bubbled to the surface in such a way that feels scary or frightening. That was me uh, many years ago, and I was a classic stuffer with my emotions. But one of the things he told me that freed me so intensely was that emotions and experiences happen. We don't wake up in the morning and say, this is going to be my experience today. I'm going to plan out everything that happens because we interact with people, right? And we interact with ourselves and our broken mindsets and everything that is a part of who we are. But he said, emotions and experiences happen. It's what you do with them that matters. And I, remi I remembered for the first time or was reminded for the first time in a long time that I don't actually have to stay in the state that I am, right? God is always healing and bringing revelation into our lives that brings a restoration, right? And it comes through unlikely avenues and unlikely spaces so often. But I was reminded that who I am and how I've been formed doesn't actually have to stay the same now that I met Jesus, right? So it doesn't matter what product or what legacy that you've been formed by, Jesus came on the scene to offer us a new way, right? That's why it doesn't have to be overwhelming that our day-to-day -day matters. Our day-to-day -day matters, yes, but he can take anything broken and turn it beautiful, right? He's so faithful and he's so good. And if I, I could have retitled this message, Jesus is generous legacy, right? Because without him, legacy doesn't sustain. It can sustain in thought, memory, maybe even money. But like that real tangible, like it shapes my life legacy is only found in the presence of Jesus. So we have a choice as to what kind of resource and what kind of way of life we steward now that will be passed down later. Because it will be passed down. It really will. You're, and this is, this is an encouragement this morning, but also an invitation, a, a possible challenge. I'm not attempting for it to be challenging beyond what you're wanting to hear today, but it might be. Uh, yeah, so you will pass down whatever's happening inside of you. 
okay? You will pass it down. You will. I, I hear story after story, this exact story. My dad was an alcoholic. I fought it and I fought it and I fought it and I fought it and I hit something that felt broken. I lost somebody I loved. I experienced some trauma. And what was the exact thing that I turned to was alcohol or any measure of things, spending a lot of money, uh, finding comfort in places that are broken, right? Because if somebody doesn't teach us or show us how to process our pain or how to take that to the Father, then we'll just repeat it because it's all we know, right? It's not intentional, but I am here to say, like, whatever your brokenness, like, taking it to the feet of Jesus is the best thing that you can do because you'll pass it down. And that's just, I wish that it was different. It's just the human experience. That's brokenness. That's the fall. And that's why Jesus came to bring redemption for all, right? So that under his blood, everything can be healed. Everything can be transformed. Everything can be made new. So what do you want your legacy to be? And that's an important question to ask today. I don't care if you're 20, 19, 62, 92. You have to ask yourself, what do I want my legacy to be? When Lyle's dad came to us a few years ago when we were making this whole transition to go from Iris, Nashville, to a church plant, he brought us the name Legacy. And... I, to be honest, we were like, no, it's not legacy. It can't be legacy. That sounds like a funeral home. <laughs> Some of you thought it too when you first heard it. You're like, that's kind of like an old church name. But he was like, it's legacy. And we wrestled with it for months and months and months. And when we went to um, Heidi and Roland Baker and said, hey, we're going to make the transition from Iris Nashville and we're going to go in with our parents and we're going to do this family thing and we're going to plant a church. And she was like, oh, it's it. That's it. It's legacy. That's what you got to do. You have to do legacy. And I was like, dang it. It's the name of the church. <laughs> but when Pastor Jeff came to us and he talked with us through it in tears, He's like, if I, if I don't, if I build everything beautiful and you're not a part of it, I failed. And that's what I feel for all of you. If we build something big and amazing, but who you are isn't shining in the midst of it, we've failed, right? If you don't feel connected, if you just feel entertained, if you don't feel like you're pursuing God for healing and breakthrough and you're interacting with the King of Kings as though he is with you, real and present, then I failed. You know, I've decided in my heart that my legacy is going to be prayerful. It's going to be prophetic. It's going to be in pursuit of the presence of God. And that's what we all have to decide for ourselves. What is our legacy going to be? For some of you, your legacy is going to be so multifaceted. For some of you, you heard that kings and priests message and you said, I'm both. And it was so genuine. And you're like, my legacy is so multifaceted. I reach in this direction. I reach in this direction. And there's so much to it. And you're probably going to have like eight kids so that like you can fulfill it all. It's awesome. So good. <laughs> I hope some of you have eight kids because you guys make such cute kids. I can't. So cute. 
But the reality is, the, the, whatever God places in your heart, because some of you are already thinking, what, you know, what's my legacy? And God's speaking to you. And it's different than what you thought he was doing. You thought your legacy was a ministry, but he's speaking to you about people. And you thought that your legacy was a business, but he's speaking to you about your employees. Because it's always about who you're pouring into, not what people see. And I will hammer that until the end of time. Growth is not exterior. Legacy is not what other people identify as success. Legacy is what's birthed in the hearts of the people that you pour into. It is what is inside of your children when they have the choice to choose Jesus or something else. It's what is in your business when they have the opportunity to go public in a bad way or to stay small for another season in order to do it right. It's what happens when your Instagram following goes through the roof and somebody offers you a collab that's not super helpful and it's not super kingdom. And you say, you know what? No, for my followers' sake, I'm going to actually, I actually care about the people who are following me. I actually care about the people who are listening to me. And I'm not going to do that because that will actually throw them off. It's not right. But we all have to come to terms with this reality that selfishness will actually kill the legacy that God's birthing in your life, okay? So if my thesis is this, I like doing the opposite of what you should do as a pastor. I'm like actually showing you my notes. If I could show them on the screen, I would entirely. But my thesis today was generosity will birth a legacy, but selfishness will abort your legacy. Self-serving behavior will kill what God's trying to birth in your life. And I have seen so many people walking around the same mountain saying, but God told me, God told me, God told me. But every time he places a seed in your life, you consume it and you never sow it. You eat it because you're desperate for that and not desperate for him. And you kill the very thing God's trying to birth in your life, right? We've all been there. I've been there. I've had it happen a dozen or two times. But comfort or immediate gratification is dangerous for long-term fulfillment and legacy. I'm going to read a lot of scripture right now, maybe, but it's a lot. But we're going to jump in quickly to the, David of, uh, the story of David and Bathsheba and their first son. So 2 Samuel 12, 13 through 25, I will speed through this. I might not read every word, but I want you to get the idea. Verse 13 says this, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. If you remember, uh, Lyle talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, the story of David and Bathsheba. David was supposed to be at war. He was a king. He was supposed to be taking dominion, territory. But in his selfishness and in his uh, self-serving, broke uh, just a you know honest space, he stayed home. And he encountered Bathsheba, and he made a mistake. Because temptation is always available when you're living outside of your identity, right? How God's made you. So David sleeps with Bathsheba, and they have a son. And this is David talking to Nathan. 
the prophet. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown, shown utter or shown utter contempt for an ancient Hebrew uh, scribal t- tradition. For the enemies of the Lord, the son born to you will die. That's tough, super tough. So David goes into this moment where he pleads with God for his son's life and his son ends up dying and this is what happens on in verse 18 on the seventh day the child died David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought while the child was living he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him because he was so distraught how can we tell him something like or how can we tell him his child is dead he may do something desperate So David noticed the attendants were whispering among among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. Then David got up from the ground, and after he washed, he put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he he went to his own house, and at the request, they served him food, and he ate. Verse 24, then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her, and they made love. And she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan to the the prophet to name him Jedidiah. This is such an uncomfortable story for me. One, because it feels a little bit incongruent to the Jesus that I I feel like I know. Uh, But here's the reality. Something happened when David decided to take matters into his own hands. And because of his selfish ambition and his drive to do what he wanted, instead of sitting in the will of God, what he gave birth to, the Lord actually had to, and this is tough for me because I don't really know if it's the Lord took him away or something happened and the baby passed away. But what I do know is this is the picture of how how we as believers oftentimes sow our lives into selfish ambition and we wonder why it keeps getting torn back down, why the Lord's not letting it thrive and why the Lord's not allowing it to progress and why the Lord's not allowing it to grow is because we probably need to ask ourselves one question, you know, is this for me or is this for him? Is this for me or is this for him? Because if you're a believer, everything's for him. And you can choose for it to go the opposite direction, and that's hard, right? That's the spaces where we're not getting that progress or that breakthrough. But the reality is God will make everything given unto him thrive. That's just the way he is. Anything that we steward well in his presence, he'll grow for us. We don't even have to work super hard. He'll just make it happen. That's his goodness to us and to our lives. But we mustn't allow for selfishness to rob our generational blessing because it will rob it. It will rob it. And we're, sta- we're standing in the middle of a season of life and a matter, it's like a, I don't know what you call it, like a, I don't know, just a moment of time where the world is asking the question, what matters? What matters? Because it feels like everything matters and nothing matters. And the truth is we have inside of us something that does matter. But if we consume everything that the Lord gives to us, 
because we're so desperate to stay alive and we're so desperate to stay comforted and at peace, we will oftentimes miss out on what God's asking us to sow and be generous into that will actually create long-lasting legacy, right? You have the power to choose. You have the power to make long-lasting impact, but it will require you to empty yourself in order to make what is a God-sized legacy happen. The more you sow of yourself, the greater the harvest those behind you will reap. Hurt and pain will cause you to duplicate bad legacy. It will. But forgiveness and selflessness will restore the standard of healthy legacy in your life. And that's proven in the life of Jesus. He came to restore the standard and show us what a life lived selflessly would produce around us. And this is Jesus's legacy. We see it in Philippians 2, 3 through 11. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's a good word right there. Rather, rather, the Holy Spirit's convicting me. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that the name uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we can learn a lot in this passage about how to live long-lasting legacy. And if I have points, these are them. So you can write them down if you would like to. The first is this, empty yourself. Become a servant to humanity. The experience of becoming a mom for me, some of you, know it. Some of you will know it. But there's an emptying that happens as you journey into every next season of life, right? So when you get married, so if you're not married yet, know this. There's something that happens that you empty yourself as you come into covenant and you say, hey, I'm actually becoming a servant to you. And that's, that's the beauty of covenant. We both do it towards one another, I empty myself, you empty yourself, and we come together in a holy covenant that makes something so much bigger and beautiful than we ever could have imagined before. The same thing happens as you become a parent and you empty yourself. And you say, my life was great before this happened. (laughs) In sentence, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's funny. The sleep was great before this happened. But I was up at 1.30 this morning with my youngest, and I loved it. And I remember speaking to one of our uh, pastor friends, Pastor Michael Brodeur, and he told us one time, you know, and this was when I was first a parent, okay, like Isaiah, my oldest, was like six months old. He was like, you know, he has eight kids, okay, I think it's like eight or nine. It's something insane. 
They all love Jesus. They all love him. They all love their family. Praise God. So, but he said, you know how like when you first have a kid and you're changing diapers and it's all just like duty and he wasn't meaning it and like poop, but like it's all just duty. It's just like, we just got to get this done. He's like, but then one day it just turns to delight. And I was like, I'm not in that season yet. It's still just duty. But round two came around and now she's moving to a place where like she's going to move out of her diapers and now it's delight. And I, I remember a few weeks ago, I was like getting them dressed to go out and I realized this is delight now. And that's what happens when you empty yourself. What once was hard and what once felt like a sacrifice becomes pleasure. So crazy. It is so crazy how often we are afraid to let go and we're holding on to something that is less fun than if we were to just let go. Just go in. Give it all, you know. It turns into delight eventually. And my delight in my children will turn into their self-worth and the conversation they have in their head about themselves. And they're going to say, man, like, I'm great, and I feel loved, and I know I can do anything, and I know that I'm not an annoyance to my parents, and they don't get annoyed with me when I wake up in the middle of the night. Like, it becomes a delight. It becomes something that's a journey into legacy. Very strange reality. That is a kingdom reality, though. That what we once thought was so precious to us, when we give it into the hands of God, it becomes so small in comparison to what he wants to birth in us. So if you're holding on to something tight today that the Lord's saying let go of, please, for heaven's sake, let go of it. Because what you're holding on to is so much smaller than the big thing that he wants to birth inside of you and birth through you. Point two is this. He humbled himself. He washed the feet of those who could do nothing for him in return. Healthy believers give to others despite what they can get back in return. If you only want to be in charge because, and this is in any arena, parenting included, if you only want to be in charge because it gives you a sense of significance and self-worth, you will flounder, and you will fall. You will flounder, and you will fall, and then the Lord's faithfulness, he'll pick you up and give you another chance to try again. But here's the reality. You must humble yourself in order to be grown and to be pushed forward into what God's doing inside of you That's a big deal. I see so often people who are anointed for great things sit on the sidelines of life because they haven't worked this thing out yet. And it's not because they don't want to get in the game, but the Lord's kindness and faithfulness to all the rest of us that they could be impacting. He's like, hey, it's we're sitting on the sidelines still. They haven't been given that breakthrough. They haven't been given that open door yet because they haven't figured this piece out. You must humble yourself in order to birth big legacy. One of the things that I just read on social media from uh, Pastor Danny Silk was that the safest people to be around are the most confrontable. 
and I could say that another way, the safest people to be around are the most humble. If somebody can tell you, hey, it's not okay, and you don't rage back in return, get ready for breakthrough. What's happening on the inside matters to your kingdom destiny. I do not care how much influence you have. I do not care how much money you have. It will all go to waste if you don't know how to steward it well. It will all go to waste if you don't know how to get low and serve the people that God's put in your life. God has made the family structure in such a way that we learn humility. He's done it on purpose that you have to like fight with the people that you're in relationship with and that you're like family with. You got to stay. They think so differently from you and they do things so differently from you. But how you handle what he's put in your life signals that you're ready for more. And here's the, the final point. Jesus became last so that his legacy would become first. If you always need to be first in line, if you always need to be the best in order to have some sense of self-worth, you will abort your legacy because you will step, you will literally step on them because once they're around, you're going to step on them just so that you can have that sense of significance. It's so important. Selfishness will kill your legacy. And if anybody's ever in your life talked to you about coming to Jesus on those things, please listen to them. Because God has a generous legacy that he wants to pour through your life, but he needs to know he can get it through your life, you know? He needs to know he can get it through. Selflessness heals broken relationships and men's damaged legacy. And in Jesus, we find a standard that works in our own life, okay? If you need to be reminded, and this verse needs to get plastered on your bathroom mirror, Philippians 2, 3 through 11. It needs to get plastered on your, you know, just your phone background. Because we have to understand that as believers, we're leaving a legacy on behalf of Jesus Christ. And if the world doesn't want it, we're doing something wrong, okay? And we need to come to terms with the reality that it's time for us to be humble and let him birth a legacy in us. There's, I can't even remember the, the exact verse, and some of you might, but somewhere in the Old Testament talks about if we'll humble ourselves and pray, he'll heal the land, right? The land is legacy to the Old Testament believer, right? Because we deal in livestock, we deal in uh, crops, we deal in everything attached to creation. And we will kill and we won't leave anything for the people that are coming behind us if we don't humble ourselves and pray. We got to do it. We got to do it. It's so good. Legacy is so good, but it comes, it's a challenge, right? This is, okay, this is why we said the Lord so lovingly set up these values in the order that he did because if we participate in one, we'll move into the next one, right? So if we become engaged with the presence of God, we will become a healthy family, right? We'll get our needs met in a healthy way through the presence of God and be able to give to one another in a healthy way in connection and family. In family, there is growth because we're challenged to change. It's good. It's good to change. And when we grow, 
we participate in generosity because we know that what we give matters to those who are coming behind us. And when we're generous, we can leave a legacy because we understand it's not just about me. I do not care if in 400 years from now, anybody knows my name about planting legacy churches. I don't care. I do not care. So long as Jesus is worshiped, so long as the kids, this is so important. Every Sunday we have dozens and dozens of children downstairs overrunning. They're like popping out of every door. It's amazing. And they're learning about the presence of God. And that is what I do, why I do what I do. I love you guys. I love you a lot. But you bring your kids here. You bring your kids here and you let them hear about Jesus, the real Jesus that loves them and that will affirm them. And that's where I learned about it because my parents, every Sunday I got taken to church, not just so that I could be babysat, but so I could learn about the presence of God. And it changed my whole life, which is why I'm a 28 year old getting to do this. So I do it for you guys because I really wanna see God worshiped in this place and I wanna see him challenge you and grow you and transform you into all that he has for you, but I really do it for your kids. That's the honest truth. I do it for my kids because I know that in this place, you guys are going to show them the love of God, and this is going to sustain well beyond any of us here. And if you don't have kids yet, get downstairs and serve sow your heart into somebody who will be here way longer than you will be here. It is a clap moment because it's true. Legacy, legacy matters. And when I, when I first married Lyle, we received a prophetic word about our ministry being a ministry of family in the same way that Lou Engle's ministry is for prayer, that we would be marked for family. And it was before we had kids, and they said, when you have kids, you'll understand. And when you engage with children, you'll understand the impact of your generosity and the impact of your legacy. So that's why we got the chance to show that video earlier in service today. This is not a plug for kids' ministry. This is not even in my notes. This is prophetic. What you do today matters for tomorrow and the next day and all the days coming after. Who you are becoming and how aggressively you pursue healing in your life matters. It matters. Don't let somebody else's mismanagement of your heart become your legacy. Don't let it. Jesus has so much more power than that. We have all experienced trauma. I guarantee it. We've all experienced some measure of brokenness, but don't let that be your legacy. And if you don't have kids and you're not married, great, please, dear God, this is my biggest encouragement. Get healed now, you know, go after it now. Because it, it, that's what you can do today that will make an impact for tomorrow. So you can stand with me today. We're going to (laughs) close. This week, I had the privilege of, this is very emotional for me, so I'm gonna try not to cry. First of all, we must understand that Jesus, his legacy was this. What he had, he gave. 
just how it was. What you have, give. It will make an impact. This week I uh, had the privilege, some of you know this, but my, uh, my parents and Lyle and I are all moving in together in this next season. It's very emotional for me, so I'm trying not to cry <laughs> too late. <laughs> but so we're moving into the... We're moving into the house that my grandparents built. My mom was raised there. I was raised there. I had to raise my kids there now with my family, with my parents in this next season. And we thought we were crazy when we got the idea because sometimes like living with your parents can be a stretch, right? Because we're all adults now and we all have opinions on things and how we like to do things. but. There's such a grace to make it happen. And I remembered it brought me back to this moment that I had when I was a very small child. My grandmother lived with me all growing up. She helped raise me. She taught me how to pray. And she taught me how that, she taught me that the supernatural was real. Generous legacy. She taught me that supernatural was real. And I remember she got very sick. Um, when I was probably in late elementary school, early middle school. And I remember having this moment thinking, man, like, I just love having my grandma around so much. I mean, I was probably in fifth grade. I was a kid. I was a kid. And I thought, I'm going to do this with my parents one day. But that's a generous legacy, right? That's somebody laying a foundation that spoke to me as a kid. That affects my today. So now I get to live in the center of that prophetic promise that I had as a kid. I'm wired very uniquely different than most of my siblings. I, they probably have more. My siblings are literally some of the most generous, caring people on the whole planet. And somehow I get to have this opportunity. We all, any of us could have made the choice to do it. But this is my encouragement what my family had they gave you don't have to have everything in order you don't have to have a million dollars in the bank i'm not giving getting a million dollars in inheritance money i'm not i don't have like one of those uh what are those things called trust funds don't got one of those i don't need one of those because i have connection to my family that has birthed inside of me a legacy that my kids are going to get to experience what I got to experience, right? What you have, give. And ask God what it is that he has for you to give because you have something to give today that will affect your tomorrow. I promise you. That is how, that is how life works. Every day is an opportunity to give a little more. That's the privilege. So this morning, this is our response. Philippians 2, verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Legacy makes what was said to be difficult easy. It makes what we live in possible. We all are here hearing about Jesus because of a legacy, right? It's a passed down, experiential legacy. One of my favorite Brian Zahn quotes is this. I don't get to make up Christianity. It's a received faith. It is a gift from God. 
it is his gift to us that we get to do this and participate in this. So 